Don't we serve a good God? Oh, come on. Don't we serve a good God tonight? Do you know what? I was thinking while they were doing that song, our God is so good that his goodness chases us. You know what? He is so good that it chases us down. You know what? What other, you know, all the, we have all these other false gods, but tell me a God whose attributes actually chase us down. We serve a faithful God and his faithfulness chases after us. I think somebody needs to get a hold of that tonight. We serve a good God and his goodness actually chases us down. Hallelujah. His mercy, hallelujah, chases us down. Aren't you glad tonight? Praise God. That has nothing to do with my message. I just was saying that. (laughs) He is good. And he is amazing. And I tell you, when you get in his presence, things happen that blow your mind. And, you know, he has a plan for each and every one of us. And we're all different. And, you know, a couple weeks back, Pastor Mike announced to everyone um, that on June 27th, we're going to be leaving um, to go because we've been called to Ashland, Kentucky, Haley and I. And at that time, he said that I would be um, speaking tonight and that I could share with you all some of the the things that happened. And I'm going to tell you, I put out a lot of fleeces. Um, Marcy Copas. I put out a lot of fleeces before I um, finally said, okay, God. So my wife and I, we had went to see went to worship with Kim Walker Smith and it was amazing. Steve was there. Wasn't it amazing that night? And then we came back here and that Sunday night, Pastor Janice preached a message and it was awesome. And the spirit of God filled this place. And Pastor Mike actually got up here on the platform and he, um, he told everyone to put their hands on their stomach and to, um, quote the, scripture that it says may the gifts within me be stirred up by the laying on of hands and when i did that i'm telling you the spirit of god hit me so strong it was like i had received a second baptism of the holy spirit and after that day you know i felt this desire strong desire to go start a church in ashland and it actually wasn't a new desire because several years ago um i began to feel that i was called to that area and pastor mike was teaching a class And right in the middle of the class, he looked at me and he said, maybe Justin's called to go start a church somewhere. I thought, that is crazy that he just said that. So I had talked to him about it, but I I knew it wasn't time. And when I talked to my wife, she said, this is not the time. So fast forward to just not long ago when Pastor Janice preached her message and I felt like I received my second baptism of the Holy Spirit. Um, And that desire grew strong in me. So I began to pray and I was like, God, you know what? I feel this desire, but you know what happened last time with my wife, what she said. So I'm going to need you to tell her. (laughs) So a day or maybe a day or two later, she came to me and she said, you know what? She said, I think it's time for us to move to Ashland. Wow. But I was like, but God, I need another sign. (laughs) So um, this fella that I worked with has that area up along the border of Ashland. That was his area. I'm a, I'm a chaplain for hospice. That was his area. And my area is all everywhere else, down this way and toward the Jackson area. So I said, God, I need another sign. So lo and behold, he gave his notice and went to another job. And they asked me if I would take over that area. 
So I thought, wow, that's cool. But God, I need another sign. <laughs> and so we decided to put our house on the market. And we had done that before, and we thought that we had had it sold, and it all fell through. The timing wasn't right. And it's crazy. We had lost a house in, in Brown County three times. We tried three times for this house, and it did not go through back in the day. So this time we put our house on the market on a Wednesday at 10 p.m. By Thursday we had four offers on it and by Friday it was under contract. I'm like, wow. But then you know you kind of get in your head and you think, well, the market, it's a it's a seller's market right now, so God, I need another sign. <laughs> so my work buddy and I, Travis, you remember Travis who came and preached, um, we were driving through Jackson on 32. And the closest car to us was probably about 400 yards behind us. There were no train tracks, no railroad tracks, nothing around us. And as we drove along, we heard this loud, it was so loud that it was almost as if it could have came through my car stereo if it was cranked all the way. But it was right above my head, and we heard this train horn. Loud. It was so loud that Travis, I kind of jumped, Travis really jumped. And he said, what was that? And he started looking at the sky thinking that, the rapture happened, and I guess it missed us. But anyhow, <laughs> so, so he was like, what could that mean? It's got to mean something. I was like, I don't know. So we actually came and drove back through and kind of looked. We were trying to find that railroad track. There was none. <laughs> um, so I Googled functions of a railroad, of a, a train horn, and it said that a train utilizes the horn or the whistle when it's coming to a crossroads, when it's changing tracks, or when it has a change of function. So I thought, you know what? This, God's calling us to do this. So I called Pastor Mike and talked to him about it. Um, so that's the story about how we learned <laughs> that we were called to go to Ashland, Kentucky. <laughs> So, and that also has nothing to do with my message tonight, but I just want to share that with everybody. <laughs> but, you know, and what a time to be working for the Lord because of the way the world is. You know, it's amazing. And sometimes we can get discouraged at the state of the world. Sometimes we can get kind of disheartened by the state of the world, especially if we watch the news. And sometimes it, it almost feels like, we are holding out this truth to people who won't take a hold of it, who are not able to see this. And we are living in a world where the mainstream media calls wrong right and right wrong. And we live in a world that calls sin right. And then when you try to walk by the dictates of the Bible, you're sometimes played out to be the crazy one. <laughs> and it's as if they do not even hear us speaking. You know, it's like they're going farther and farther into the darkness. And we're standing here with the light screaming, hey, look at this light. Look, I got the light. But it's almost as if they don't even hear us. And it leaves us not understanding how they could be so twisted so twisted. And I can understand how aggravating, how unnerving it can be when you know the truth, 
but it seems that everyone is deaf and blind to it. When you see a world that's lost, dying, and it's on its way to hell, and you're standing there holding out hope to them, but they refuse to take hold of it. So what do we do? What do we do when you're holding out hope to someone and they refuse to take hold of it? Is it time to scream even louder? Is it time to get on Facebook and argue and scream and tell them how wrong they are? Well, you know what? This whole thing is not a new phenomenon. The, these, these problems did not begin with the catastrophic events of 2020. These things didn't just begin happening when COVID struck. These things didn't just begin to happen with the political upheaval of last year, but they were brought to the surface and we're able to see them more clearly. But if we take a look at scripture, we can see that John spoke of the world's unwillingness to hear during his own lifetime before COVID. And if we go to 1 John chapter 4, I'm going to start in verse 5. And it says, they are of the world. Therefore, they speak as of the world. And get this. And the world hears them. We are of God. He who knows God, he who knows God hears us. He who is not of God does not hear us. By this, we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. So yeah, you can see by the scripture that the world cannot hear us because why? It doesn't understand the language. It doesn't understand the language. You know, sometimes we have to realize that we are a part of a kingdom culture. The world cannot comprehend that. The world is blind to it. The world is deaf to it. They cannot understand it. And the best example that I can think to give of this was when Pastor Mike and Dan Henson and Mike Farrell and I went to India. And we flew to India. And we landed in India. And we got off the plane. And the people there, they looked different than me. The people ate differently than I did. The people um, spoke differently than me. They had different mannerisms. Their architecture was even different. And it just struck me how different they were. We would go out to eat, or we would go places to eat. And the food there was really kind of making me sick. So I quit eating their food, and here's why. It's because Pastor Mike was smart enough to pack a bunch of snacks with him. And I didn't think to do that. So... We would go out to eat, and I would kind of try to I would play in my food and try to make it look like I ate some. And then I'd go back to the hotel, and I'd eat his food. So we were a lot different than those folks. Um, but finally, it was the last night. It was the big event where the thousands of people came. 2,000, 3,000, I don't know. But they, all, they came. <laughs> And Pastor Mike was up on the platform preaching, and, and Dan Henson and Mike Farrell, they were sitting up there on the platform. But I was down with the people because I was our photographer, and I was taking pictures of everybody. So I was right down in the nitty-gritty of it. And Pastor Mike said, if you want to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, stand to your feet. And most people did. And he began to pray over them. The Spirit fell upon them. And listen, they began to speak in a heavenly language. I did not understand their Indian language at all. 
But as soon as they began to speak in a heavenly language, I recognized it. And I thought, this is amazing. And, and I know that there may be someone here tonight who's thinking, oh, gosh, he's a tongue talker. we got to get out of here. <laughs> but listen, it was a beautiful thing. It was a beautiful thing. And I recognized it as my language. That was my kingdom language. So we, we got back in with our driver and we left the place. And as we, we were kind of quiet, kind of reflecting on what had happened. And I was just to myself asking God, God, how is it that I recognized and could distinguish from their Indian language and recognize the heavenly language? And here's what he said to me. He said, when you are a citizen of a kingdom, you recognize that language. The world does not understand us. They don't hear us because they don't understand our language. They are not a part of our kingdom. So what do we do? What do we do when the world cannot hear us? We have to understand that everyone is not willing to take up citizenship in our kingdom. And you know what? I wasn't willing to take up citizenship in India. And there are people across the world, I mean, you know, we think the United States is a great place, but not everyone is willing to come here and take up citizenship here. It's just the way it is. And sadly, it's the same way with God's kingdom. So how do we handle someone rejecting the benefits of becoming a citizen of God's kingdom? Do we merely just stop offering what we have to others? No, 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 by no means. Jesus said, all power and authority has been given unto me. Go, therefore, making disciples. He said, go, therefore, and make disciples of every nation. And he promised that he'd always be with us, even unto the end of the age. So as we can see, we are to go, therefore, just because people may not recognize what we're, the word that we're telling them, we're not to stop. But when we face rejection... We need to know how to appropriately handle it. And getting mad and arguing on Facebook, like I said earlier, is not the way to go. You know, back in November, we had COVID. And it was really bad. And it's not just because, you know, how they say man flu or whatever. I was bad off. <laughs> I, couldn't, I was having a hard time breathing. Um, and I was, I was laying there struggling to breathe. I kept wondering within myself, Am I going to be able to go back and be able to sing like I could before? Am I going to be able to sing with the same power that I could before? Am I going to be able to speak the same as I could before? Am I able to exhort with that same power? But instead of sitting there and just kind of taking in all that fear, I began to look up all scriptures I could about on healing. And I began to speak them out loud. I began to go on YouTube and listen to Deborah Gaskell's YouTube videos on healing. And I began to declare those over my, over my life. And over my condition, and over my wife, and over my children. So I fully recovered. I fully recovered. And I came back here, and we got up here, and I sang. And I was so thankful that I was able to sing. So, what did I do? I decided to go on Facebook. And tell everybody my testimony of how good God had been to me. And how he had brought me through COVID. And how I was able to sing once again. And do you know what happened? 
I began to receive all this hate mail from people. I began to, people began to comment on it. I began to receive private messages. Um, some were just a, as simple as, you make me sick. Others, people, was, people were saying, how could you get on here on Facebook and brag about how you've recovered from this when thousands have died? What makes you so special just because you're a Christian? So do you know what I wanted to do? I wanted to message them back and tell them what I thought. I know I seem really nice, but sometimes, hey. <laughs> I wanted to message him back. So I was talking to Haley. I was telling her what happened. And, and just as I was wanting to tell them something, God spoke to my heart. Aren't you glad for those times when God speaks to our heart? Aren't you glad for those checks you get in your spirit sometimes when you're about to do something really stupid? And he says, hold on, wait a minute. And he said, you know what? You can take vengeance. You can tell them what you think. Or you can... Just step back, not say anything, and I will take care of it, and vengeance will be mine. Well, how many knows that God's vengeance is a lot better than mine would be, right? So I decided to let God handle it, and I deleted the post. But, you know, it's times like that that makes me think, how many times have we wanted to get on Facebook and argue and fight with people when we see, when we see a post? And sometimes we feel, you know, it may be a righteous anger. It may be. But the word gives us an example of what we're to do. It tells us what we're supposed to do right here. And I'm going to tell you because we're going to go to Matthew chapter 10, verse 14. And here's what it says. When people don't receive us. And whoever will not receive you, nor hear your words, when you depart from that house or city, shake the dust from your feet. So, so my first point tonight is, how do we handle rejection? My first point is, we shake the dust off of our feet. You know, I work for hospice, like I said earlier, and I am a, my actual job title is spiritual care coordinator. Now I say chaplain a lot, because I do a lot, most, that's basically what I do. But I'm a spiritual care coordinator. So my job is to go into patients' homes, and if they're Christian, then fine. I can read the Bible to them. I can pray with them. That's great. But if they don't want me to pray with them, if they don't want me to read Scripture to them, then I have to respect their wishes. Why? Because, for one, I'll get fired if I don't. <laughs> and, and for two, you know, I think that the church has dropped the ball so many times by trying to start an argument with people and argue, try to argue people into heaven. And I don't remember ever a time I've never seen with my own eyes anybody argued into heaven. Amen? Because you know what? We as people, Pastor Mike doesn't convict people of sin. Pastor Janice doesn't convict people of sin. I don't convict people of sin. You don't convict people. That is the work of the Holy Ghost. And I think that many times we try to take that work upon ourselves but do you know what I've done in times where, you know, I'll ask, is it okay if I read scripture to you? No. Is it, is it okay if I pray with you? No. So I try to handle myself as best I can, be as humble as I possibly can, and respect them. Because here's what I believe. I believe that many times we can, well, you've heard it before, we can preach a message without preaching a message. Just by the way we handle things. And I believe that we can plant seeds in people's hearts when they see that we are respectful and kind and loving. Like, like who? Jesus? <laughs> when we are kind to them, 
it makes a difference. And then that leaves room for the Holy Ghost to do his work, which is to convict people of their sin. It's not our job. So, and you know what? Really, when we try to, when we try to convict people by arguing and, and causing a scene, it really shows a sign of our own pride. And it shows, that's a sign of our own, you know, want to be right. And in Titus chapter 3, verse 9, it says, But avoid foolish disputes, genealogies, contentions, and strivings about the law, for they are unprofitable and useless. So, when we want to argue with people, I could have got on there and argued with those people on Facebook, but what's the word say? It would have been unprofitable and useless. How many times did we waste time by being unprofitable and useless? You know, being a citizen of the United States has many benefits. But if you travel to other parts of the world, you would find out that there are foreign countries that have a severe disdain for the United States. <laughs> and they want nothing more than to bring persecution to the people of the United States. And this is not only true in the spiritual and the physical world, but this is also true in the spiritual world as well. It's, a, it's a, a situation that's played out over and over again. Sometimes people don't only reject the word, but they bring persecution to believers. Now, the persecutions that we suffer in the United States are much different than those in other parts of the world. When I think of our persecutions, they're almost laughable because, um, you know, you look at China and there are people dying mm, every day. For worshiping God. What an act of worship that is. What a true love for God. Oh, if we could only get a hold of that here in the United States. And worship and follow God like they do. But what do we do when we're persecuted here? Because we do face persecution. on a Maybe on a different level. But what do we do when we are persecuted. For being citizens of heaven. If we go back to Matthew chapter 10. This time at verse 33. It says when they persecute you. In this city, flee to another. Say flee. Flee. Say flee. There you go. For assuredly, I say to you, you will not have gone through the cities of Israel before the Son of Man comes. So the word urges us to flee persecution. And this is one of those rare times where the Bible doesn't say, you know, be strong and courageous. It says to flee. And another time in the Bible, it says that is through is sexual immorality. We're supposed to flee that too. But when we face persecution, we're supposed to flee. So whenever people begin persecuting you, you have the right to get out of Dodge, to get on out of there. You don't have to stand there and take that flee. You can flee. If you present the gospel to somebody and they begin to persecute you, what are you going to do? Flee. Yeah, you're going to flee. Um, because you know what? When, when persecution comes, when we flee, there may be somebody right on the other side of that person who's not willing to, come at, to accept what you have to offer to them. And it reminds me of a time. You know, we do this thing at my job. I'm really on my job tonight for some reason talking about it. But um, there's this thing that we do called sitting vigil. And what sitting vigil is, is when a patient is passing away, a staff member from our office goes in and sits with the patient and the family because at our office, at our branch, their um, motto is no patient dies alone. So we're there to be with the patient 
And we were also there to be with the family. So one weekend I was on call and I got called out to a facility to sit with a patient. And when I got there, I think they said there were 30 family members there when I got there. There was a lot of family members in this nursing facility. And when you walked in, you could almost feel the tension in the room. And so I walked up and I be, they began to tell me a little bit what was going on. And the son didn't agree with the, what the daughter wanted to do and a type of thing. And the son was very anti-hospice. So guess what? Who he was anti? He was anti-Justin. And he felt that I was killing his mother. I mean, I wasn't administering medication or anything, but that's the way he felt. So finally, it, everything came to a climax, and those 30 people began to scream and yell and argue out in the common area at the nursing center. Well, what did I do? I, I thought, there's people, there's, you know, elderly people around here terrified what's going on out here. So I stood up, and I said, enough! And the, guy, the guys that I work with just thought that was hilarious when I told them about that. But when I did that, it made that guy hate me even more. So his... Um, nickname for me was chaplain. That's what he would say. He would say, hey, chaplain. And then he would proceed to cuss me out over and over again. And he would say, hey, chaplain. And then he would do it again. And then apparently, allegedly, he sliced a lot of tires out in the parking lot. But thanks to God's favor, he did not get mine. And then he got in a fight on the sidewalk with some guy and the cops came. Well, I thought, okay, they're going to take him away. Well, since his mother was actively passing, they allowed him to stay. So I sat there with that guy for 15 hours, and he kept telling me the things that he was going to do to me when he followed me home after we left there for killing his mother. So it wasn't a fun time. So finally, after 15 hours, my relief came, and he came walking through the door. And guess what I did? I was ready to flee. That's right. You got it. I fled right out of there. I pulled in my driveway, no joke, I pulled in my driveway, no longer had I pulled in my driveway when they called me from the office and they said, hey, they said, we need you to go back to said facility because the person who relieved you, we need to send him somewhere else. And this is the only time I've ever done this. I said, look, I'm sorry, but I cannot go back there. And I didn't go back. <laughs> and praise God, I survived. Well, we also do this thing where um, it's called... Um, bereavement calls. And what that is, is after a patient passes away, we follow up with, we give a call to the family to follow up with them to see how they're doing. And sometimes families um, are still having a hard time with things and they request to have counseling. And we'll go into their homes, we'll meet them at a restaurant, whatever they need, and we will do that for them. Well, the call for that family did not get put on me, but it got put on my buddy John, who was also a spiritual care coordinator. So he called up, the guy answered, and he said, and John, who I work with, he said, hi, this is the chaplain. I was just calling check in, see how you're doing. And the guy said, I want you to meet me at Friday at 12 o'clock at such and such place. Well, <laughs> I didn't, after a day or two, I found out before Friday, by the way. And he told me about it. I said, John, don't go. And John is still alive to this day. Praise God. So fast forward a year later, I'm sitting with another patient and I'm looking down, I'm charting and I hear this voice say, you're the chaplain. I looked up, so I had to flee again. So those are my examples of fleeing persecution. So when we face persecution, what do we do? Flee. That's right. You better believe I was out of there, buddy. <laughs> so even though we may have times 
I know those, those stories are funny, but even though we may have times where we reject, where we have people who reject the truth that we have to offer, thankfully, we will find others who will wholeheartedly accept his offer of salvation. Aren't you thankful for that? Amen. If we don't become weary, and if we continue telling others about his goodness and grace. In Isaiah 35, 5, it says, Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened, and the ears of the deaf shall be unstopped. Praise God. Aren't you thankful for that? You know what? We may face rejection we may face persecution but all hope is not lost because you know why <laughs> praise god oh i'm so thankful because those who are blind do not necessarily remain blind those who are deaf do not necessarily remain deaf and if we would just get past the rejections if we get past the persecution if we continue telling our story you know what there's going to be somebody who's ready and willing because i can tell you even though i faced rejection at my job that i was telling you about tonight being a spiritual care coordinator there have been times where people have received salvation through jesus christ praise god there was one lady that oh i knew because i've been in healthcare for a while and some capacity or another um for many years and i had known this lady kind of through a few different jobs you know what i'm saying you kind of have those patients that kind of follow you and she had had such a rough life and she had faced such rejection in her life and she had faced such hardship in her life and i'm going to tell you i mean just honestly she was she was a mess emotionally she was a mess she was a mess and as time went along, I just began spending time with her. You know, in the beginning, it was just kind of social business. I would sit, I would talk with her, I'd say my little prayer at the end, you know. And over the course of several years, I kept doing that. Until one day, I felt God speak to my heart, and he said, listen, it's time. Share the gospel with her. She's ready. So I shared the gospel with her, and she, and she received Christ as her Lord and Savior. She's going on to be with the Lord now, but I have faith to believe that she, hallelujah, is in heaven today. Praise God. Aren't you thankful for that? Aren't you thankful that, that no is not always no later on down the road? I had another lady who, she was such a sweet little lady, and I met her and she said, I used to go to church, but I kind of got away from going to church. And I let my relationship with God kind of fade away. I just kind of slid back. And I'm afraid that I'm going to go to hell if I die. I said, well, we'll pray. She received Jesus and days later, days later, she passed away. I'm so thankful for the word of God. And listen, when we receive rejection, it's not time to back down and quit sharing our testimony. I also knew this other guy. Um, he was deaf to what the kingdom had to say. He was blind to God's ways. He um, rejected those truths from, for a time. Until finally, he came to the place where his eyes were opened, his ears were opened, where he could, he could understand the kingdom of God. That person is me. Aren't you thankful? Is there anyone else here tonight that used to be lost but are now found? That used to be blind but now can see? That used to be deaf but now can hear? Listen, that poor pathetic loser, I've said it before, that I used to be, he is dead. And now I am a child of God, an heir of God, and a joint heir with Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Aren't you thankful?
thankful for his goodness and his grace tonight. Hallelujah. So listen, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to share your testimony. Don't begin. Don't be afraid to share what God has done for you. Don't be afraid. Listen, if God's delivered you, tell people. And listen, I, I've, I've been feeling this in my spirit all day today. I believe that there are people under the sound of my voice who may be thinking, you know what? My testimony is not that great. It's not that good. I was never a drug addict. I was never an alcoholic. Um, but listen, there are people who have never been drug addicts. There are people who have never been alcoholics who are lost and dying out there. And you may be the only person. And sometimes they're the hardest people to reach because they think, well, I haven't hit rock bottom. I'm doing okay. I'm a good person. Share your testimony with others. I don't care if you're a drug addict. I don't care if you grew up being a pretty good kid. Hallelujah. If you are blind and now can see... Share it with others because our God is good. Amen. We serve a good God whose goodness chases after us. Hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Come on, stand to your feet tonight.